Well, thank you for being with us for worship this morning. Before we get into the sermon, I just wanted to say we've got some new and very good resources at the resource table in the back. Um, Jesus on Every Page by David Murray. A couple other ones are just very helpful, and I encourage you to check those out. Also, we have these brochures that explain a little bit about why our church looks the way it does. And so this does, I think, a, a pretty adequate job, if I can say that, <laughs> of just explaining the three main parts of our service, which are worship, preaching, and communion. So if you're interested in that, these are available in the back, and you can grab one of those and find out a little bit more information. Well, we've been in the book of Ephesians now for some time, and this morning we get to start chapter 6, and I'm excited for this. Paul is continuing in the teaching that he's been doing since... Well, the beginning, but really since chapter 4. So today, what we're going to look at is three reasons for children to obey their parents. Somebody said on the way in, only three. (laughs) Uh, You can feel free to add some more to this, Dustin, uh, if you'd like to. It wasn't him, it was someone different from him. Uh, Okay, so I just want to give a little bit of background as to how we got to this point. If you haven't been here Uh, from the beginning. So the whole of the book of Ephesians is divided pretty neatly into two sections. Okay, So if you read the book of Ephesians start to finish, you're going to see that the first three chapters are largely what God has done for us in Christ. So we see the redemption by his blood. We see forgiveness of sins. We see in chapter 2 that God has removed this dividing wall of hostility that existed because of ethnic or social uh, differences or whatever, but in Christ now, the people of God are all one. There is no distinction, Jew, Gentile, that kind of thing. In chapter 3, we see Paul's love for the church coming out as he gives examples of how Christ is the head of the church and has given himself for the church. Very good stuff. Then we get to chapter 4, and Paul gives what I believe is this thesis statement for the rest of the book. The beginning of chapter 4, verse 1, he says, Therefore I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. And all of the teaching from that point on are Paul giving us examples of how to do just that. How to walk worthy of this calling, what God has called us to as his children. And they started pretty broad with general uh, ethical things, how to conduct ourselves in the world, how to conduct ourselves in the church. And then in chapter 5, in verse 18, he gives this instruction that we are to be filled with the Spirit. And from that point on now, he is giving examples of how that should play itself out. And he uses the home as the primary example. So for the past five weeks, we have looked at the relationship between husbands and wives. And how Christ is the ultimate example. And now in chapter 6, we come to children and parents. So that's what we're going to look at today. That's how we got to this place in the book of Ephesians. So if you haven't done this, I invite you to open your Bible to Ephesians chapter 6. And follow along as I read the first three verses. And we'll begin together. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 through 3. Children... Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Let's pray together as we begin. Father in heaven, 
I'm thankful for another opportunity to open your word with these brothers and sisters. Lord, I thank you for the fact that you have not left us to ourselves. You have given us instruction through your word. And I can't imagine how we would flounder and how we would be lost without this instruction. If everything was just left up to us to decide, it would be a mess. And we, we see that in the world as we reject your word. And I'm just so thankful for the Bible, Lord. And I'm so thankful for your grace in giving us the Bible. And so as we come now to this section of Ephesians, having seen the structure of the home with husbands and wives and now moving into children and their parents and other aspects of the Christian life, Father, please, through your Spirit, open our understanding. I pray for all of us here who are children, that's everyone, and pray that we would have an open ear to hear what your Word says. Would you guide us through your spirit? So we give you thanks for this time, Lord. Please be honored in our worship and in our preaching and in our fellowship. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so like I said, we're going to look at these first three verses. And these first three verses deal with the relationship of children to their parents. I thought this was kind of interesting. We'll, we'll get into this more next week. But in all of these examples starting in Ephesians 5:21, Paul addresses the subordinate party first. So when he talks about husbands and wives, he addresses wives first. When he addresses children and fathers, he addresses children first. When he addresses slaves and masters, he addresses slaves first. There's some significance to that. We're going to get into that more next Sunday, but I just wanted to note that so you can kind of be looking and seeing if you can think of a reason why he might have structured things that way. But I think in this three verses, Paul gives us three reasons for children to obey their parents. There's an argument from morality. There's a moral argument. There's an argument from the law. And there's an argument from the gospel. But before we get into those three things, I want to define maybe one or two things. Paul says that children are to obey their parents. So I want to see who is he talking to? Who are the children? You might say, well, that's kind of obvious, but it might not be, so I want to see that. And then also what he means by using the word obey uh, versus maybe another word like submit or something else that he's previously used. So it's interesting to me in this section now that Paul addresses children directly. Okay, he's not saying, parents, when you get home and see your kids, make sure that you tell them this. He directly addresses them as he does everyone else that he's talking to. What's significant about that? I think it's significant because Paul assumes that in Ephesus, in these churches that he's writing this letter to, the kids are in the service worshiping with their parents. Why else would he address them directly instead of giving instruction for somebody else to tell them? The assumption here is is that families are gathering together for worship. They hear the word of God. They read these letters that are being sent to them by the apostles. And the kids are present in there. This is significant to me. We have a lot of kids here at Grace, and I love it. I am so glad that you are here. And kids have this unique ability that I believe is God-given to absorb and understand way more than we probably give them credit for. If If you're a parent and you've been having a conversation with your spouse and you're Kid comes up the next day and says, hey, I heard you tell you, like, you, you heard that? You understood what you were saying, right? They, they do this. They, they understand. So I just want to say I'm glad 
that you're here and we pray for you regularly that the word of God would take root in your heart, that your faith would grow and that you'd come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's our desire for you and for everyone. But I don't want you to feel minimized or like you're not part of this. You are. And Paul agrees. He addresses the children directly in this letter and I think that's significant. So Paul addresses the kids. Which kids? Which children? What does he mean by children? Well, earlier in chapter 5, we saw that some children have been married and left the house, left the protection and the care of their parents. Remember that? Paul quotes from Genesis and says, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, hold fast to his wife, that whole thing. So I don't think he's talking about kids who have moved out of the house. Also, if we consider the implication of what he's saying with obedience, there's a certain amount of cognitive ability you need to be able to hear understand obey the things that are be told you so we could probably rule out newborn infant kids so i think if we wanted to bookend this we would say the kids that paul are addressing are those who are still living at home under the care and the authority of their parents and who are able to hear and understand and obey the direction and the instruction that is coming next paul uses this word obey In verse 1, not submit. When he's talking to wives and husbands, he says that wives are to submit, which as we defined was a willing, putting yourself under the headship and the care of your husband. He doesn't use that word with with kids, with children. He uses the word obey. Children are not called to submit, but to obey their parents. Now, I'm not trying to make a very hard distinction. Obviously, there's overlap, okay? So it's not that if if you choose to use that term in your house, that's not wrong. I'm just saying Paul uses a different term trying to draw attention to that. So don't don't hear me, kids, and say, well, I don't have to submit to my parents. (laughs) Yes, you do. (laughs) Okay, but Paul is using uh, this, this word obey, I think, for a very specific reason. I think by his use of this word, Compared to submission, we can see that a parent's authority over their child is greater than the submission of a wife to a husband. Because obedience carries with it this idea of this is what you are to do. I think it's significant that Paul uses this. And yet, as he always does, Paul's going to give us a reason. He never just says, you need to do this and then leave it alone. He always tells us why. Which is why I love the Apostle Paul. So he gives us three reasons for a child to obey. Like I said, a moral argument, an argument from law, and an argument from the gospel. So let's look first at the moral argument. Look again at verse 1 of chapter 6. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right or proper. Paul says that obedience to one's parents is the right thing to do. This is his moral argument. The Bible tells us that God has written his law on every human heart, meaning that every human being, to some degree or another, has an awareness of morality, of right, of wrong, of what is proper, what is improper. Not saying everyone agrees on those definitions or follows those in the way they live their life, but the way that God has designed us and made us, there is implanted in every human being a sense of morality, justice, right, wrong, those kinds of things. Your conscience is a part of that, where God gives you these little uh, 
checks in your spirit or however you want to talk about that, where you just know in your heart that something is right or wrong, that comes from God. That's not a result of your research or study or whatever. Those things can assist, but ultimately the moral standard for human beings comes from God through his word. Nevertheless, you don't have to be a Christian to affirm morality, do you? There are a lot of people who do not love God, who appreciate and value and live their life even in a way that upholds knowledge of right, knowledge of wrong. We have laws in this country that people follow. That doesn't mean that they love God. What I think it is, is an evidence that the law of God is really written on every human heart. And that shows up all kinds of places. Society, the world around us, governments, whatever you want to say, function best when there is an agreed upon standard of what is right and what is wrong. But not only society in general, but the home functions best when there is an understanding from the word of God of what is right what is true, what is wrong. So Paul says it is right for a child to obey his parents. And while this is a moral argument, I think we can go a little bit further as those who belong to God and see that this morality comes from the word of God. As Christians, we ought to let the scriptures dictate to us what is right and what is wrong. The Bible ought to be our guide our foundation, the thing that we judge everything by and through, it is the source of our morality. Now sometimes in the church we, we, we almost shy away from this when we talk about the gospel of Jesus Christ. We say, well, we don't want it to just be moralism. We don't want to just do the right thing. And that's true. However, the gospel produces in us, through a changed heart, the ability to make moral judgments that align with the word of God. So Paul says, it is right for a child to obey their parents. But in addition to morals, Paul gives another argument. This time it's from the law. Look at verses 2 and 3 of chapter 6. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Paul's instruction to honor your parents comes from the law of Moses, the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. And in fact, this is a quotation from Exodus chapter 20. Kind of. We'll talk about that in a minute. Paul mixes a couple texts here for his quotation. But we already know that the churches in Ephesus were made up of both Jew and Gentile believers. We saw that in chapter 2. Paul dealt with that. He explained how the gospel levels that and makes everybody one in Christ. So he gives the moral command because that is what the Gentile believers would have understood. The Greek culture was a very moralistic culture in a lot of ways. Right and wrong were valued in business and in transactions and those kinds of things. So the Gentile believers in Ephesus would have, would have got the moral argument. But there's also a large number of Jewish believers who would have resonated with Paul's quotation of the Torah, of the law of God given to Moses. So I think there's multiple reasons why Paul does this, but that's a big one. It's because he wants to make sure that all the people in these churches understand 
And there's obviously overlap. It's not that the Jewish believers are not obligated to follow the moral law or that the Gentile believers are not obligated to follow the Jewish law. There's obviously overlap. But I think Paul is very aware of what he's doing as he gives these instructions. So I think when Paul says honor your mother and father, he is referring to the kind of respect for your parents, the kind of almost, I don't want uh, Maybe reverence is too strong a word. We use reverence in terms of God, usually, so I'm not, I'm not trying to overemphasize the parent's role, but there is a respect that ought to be present in a child's heart for their parents. That's why I think Paul uses this word honor in addition to it being the quotation from the Old Testament. In fact, the, one of the reasons that I think that Paul is looking at this honor as something that carries into adulthood with kids is because of what Jesus said in Mark chapter 7. So this is something that got Jesus really exercised. If you remember, Jesus is talking with the religious leaders who had been convincing people that they no longer had to care for their parents, but whatever resources they would have put into that, they could just give to the temple. And they would kind of call it even. Listen to what Jesus says. This is Mark 7, verse 9. And Jesus said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and mother. And whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained for me is Corban, that is given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God. Jesus understood this commandment to honor your father and mother as not just something while you are at home under their care, but something that carries on into adulthood. So when he sees the religious leaders basically extorting money out of people and saying, you know what, you don't have to take care of your folks, why don't you just give that money to God and that'll be better. Jesus says, you're violating the commandment. So I think when Paul picks up on this, And he sees this word honor, this preference, this position. He says, children, you are to honor your parents. And he knows that if this honor is to continue into adulthood, it must start when a child is young. It is never too early to start training our kids to honor their parents. Because in doing that, we are teaching them to honor God. We'll get into more of that here in a moment. So what exactly do we mean when we say honor? The word honor can have a couple different meanings in our common English language. It can mean uh, high esteem, great respect. You might hear someone say something like, uh, that person should be held in honor because of what they did or because of the position they're in. But it can also mean something like upholding an agreement. Okay, maybe you've heard the phrase, I want to honor the terms of this agreement. What does that mean? Well, it means that you're expected to do what you've committed to do. To honor means to uphold, to do what has been committed to. So which one does Paul have in mind when he uses the word honor? He uses the word tamao, which means, this is our first definition, to hold in esteem. So when he's talking about honor, he means the respect, the esteem, the position that we as children are to recognize our parents have and to show them honor for that. 
But I think we could also say as children that we are obligated in some sense to fulfill the task which God has called us to. Maybe honor the terms of the agreement, so to speak. This is what Jesus was criticizing with these religious leaders. They had allowed people to wiggle out from under the command of God and not be obedient to what God had said. They were not honoring what they were called to do as children. Therefore, Paul's instruction for the children to honor, to value, to esteem their parents is grounded on the command and the teaching of the Torah. But rather than using a threat to motivate obedience, you know, sometimes you'll say, uh, you need to obey this because if you don't, fill in the blank, there's totally a place for that. But Paul instead motivates obedience with a promise, just as God had said earlier. So what we need to do is determine what Paul means by this promise, because there's some difference in the context of Israel at Mount Sinai and the churches in Ephesus. So we need to figure out what is he talking about with this promise. And I don't know if you know this, but the Ten Commandments are actually listed twice in the Old Testament. Exodus chapter 20 is the common place. This is the uh, narrative where God meets Moses on Mount Sinai and that whole thing. But then again, in Deuteronomy, Moses is recounting to the people of Israel what God has done. And he again lists out and recites these commandments, this Decalogue that God had given to the nation of Israel. And there's a slight difference in the two accounts from the Exodus 20 to the Deuteronomy 6. I want to read both of them and listen for what is different in these two. This, this will make sense. Bear with me. So here's Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. Here's Deuteronomy 5, 16. Honor your father and mother as the Lord your God commanded you that your days may be long, that it may go well with you in the land that the Lord your God will give you. So what Paul is doing in Ephesians 6 is conflating the two of those. He's, he's taking elements of both and combining them and under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he can totally do that. He's not playing fast and loose with the text. He's, he has a proper and good understanding of the Old Testament and he includes, he kind of mixes these two accounts. Now under the Old Covenant, where, where Israel is before they come into the, in the wilderness, they get out of Egypt, all this kind of stuff, covenant blessings came from covenant obedience. Okay, you're tracking with me? So God says, here's what you ought to do. Here's what I require of you. And if you obey this command, there will be X, Y, and Z as far as covenant blessing or covenant promise. If Israel follows the Lord, was careful to obey everything that he had commanded to them, there would be covenant blessings, not the least of which was the promised land. Israel being kind of nomadic in their first several hundred years of existence, they were looking for this place of permanence, the land that God had promised to them. And during the time of the theocracy, when Israel is both a political nation and a church over which God ruled, his covenant blessings were closely tied to this promised land and to the blessing and fruitfulness of that land. But now, in the churches in Ephesus, under the new covenant, times have changed. It's no longer just an ethnic people that are looking for a specific 
place or a specific geographical location to dwell in. God's people is an international community. That's what chapter 2 was all about of Ephesians. The fact that it is not just one people group anymore that have access to God. The dividing wall has been torn down in Christ and now the people of God are from, as Revelation 4 and 5 says, every people, nation, language, tribe, and tongue. So the blessings that come from obedience to God under the new covenant are not so much the physical land acquisition type blessings, they are spiritual blessings. We would say this in a variety of other contexts. If I say, here's what the word of God commands for us, and by following this, we are promised not financial blessing, not land acquisition, not all those things, but obedience to Christ will bring about God's faithfulness and blessing on you. And it might not be the way we think, but that's one of the main differences in the covenants. Paul opened this book, chapter 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with what? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So Paul's motivating factor here for the obedience of children to their parents is not, hey, if you do this, you're going to inherit the farm and you're going to have this land and you're going to do all this stuff. His promise, God's promise to every child is if you honor your father and mother, the blessing of God will follow. It's not like some kind of prosperity thing. We know the blessings are spiritual in nature. That can mean everything from God's provision his protection, his preservation. And I'm really turning into a Baptist. I just alliterated and I didn't even know it. <clears throat> That's pretty good. <clears throat> so I just want to make that clear, okay? So Paul quotes this from the Old Testament. He says, Honor your father and mother. Hold them in respect. And the Lord will be gracious to you. I don't think that's a bold assumption. I think that's biblical truth. That the blessing of God comes for obedience to his word and to Christ. So the promise Paul speaks of, the promise of God's blessing on your life to care for you, to provide for you, to preserve you spiritually, this is the covenant blessing that comes through faith in Christ and obedience to him. Do you want that? <laughs> Do you want God's blessing on your life? Then honor your parents. And God will be faithful. So we see Paul give a reason for obedience from morality, which the Gentiles would have known. We see him give an argument from the law, which the Jewish believers would have known. And now finally, third, he gives an argument from the gospel, which transcends Jew and Gentile. Look at verse 1 again. Chapter 6 of Ephesians, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Obey your parents in the Lord. We often talk about this transformative power of the gospel to, to change a heart and to change a life and to produce things in us. And I think what we need to remember is that this transformative work is often evident in our children, <clears throat> not just in adults. Paul is saying that the primary motivating fact in a child's obedience to his parents ought to be a changed heart which is the result of hearing and obeying the gospel of Jesus.
My Wednesday morning Bible study is looking at studying Colossians, and we were just talking a couple weeks ago about how oh, faith in Christ ought to be accompanied by obedience to Christ. Okay, we see this all over the scriptures where if you trust in God and you believe in him, that is naturally followed by obedience. You desire to do what God wants you to do. And so by Paul saying, children, obey your parents in the Lord, he doesn't leave it at a moral argument. He doesn't leave it at a law argument. He says, this is a spiritual matter. And true obedience comes from true change of heart. You might get compliance you know the difference between compliance and obedience? Compliance is just you do what you're told to do because you just don't want anyone to nag you anymore. Anyone ever been in that situation? <laughs> right? That's not true obedience. That's not heartfelt obedience. That's just get off my case and let me do what I want to do. That's not what the Bible calls us to. The Bible calls us to obedience based on the transforming power of the gospel. See, the Bible never calls us to something that God does not enable us to do. Do you know that? Adults, kids as well. If the Bible calls you to some action or attitude or behavior or whatever it might be, it is always calling you to something that God, through his Holy Spirit, empowers you to do. The Bible does not give us unrealistic, unattainable commands and say, well, figure it out yourself. God is with us through his spirit. And if you belong to Jesus, he will empower you for every kind of obedience, no matter your age or your context or your experience. The gospel of Jesus Christ creates genuine obedience from genuine faith. That's what I think Paul means by children, obey your parents in the Lord. Now in Colossians chapter 3, there's a parallel passage. That just means a passage that says kind of the same thing. So in Colossians 3, Paul is talking to husbands and wives, children and parents, slaves and masters, all the same things. It's a little more shorter. And in that context, in chapter 3, he says, children, obey your parents in everything. For this pleases the Lord. And we might read that and go, well, hang on, everything? Well, I think this phrase he uses in Ephesians qualifies that. He says, obey in the Lord. Meaning, the assumption here is that the church is made up of people who are believers in Jesus. Their lives have been changed by the gospel. So the parents are not going to require obedience from their kids in areas that will contradict the word of God. So Paul can say something like, children, obey your parents, or obey your parents in everything, without qualifying everything to death. Because he knows his audience. He knows who he is talking to. They know the grace of God. And they know that God requires them to walk worthy of this calling. And this is simply one of the ways that children and parents walk worthy of this calling. So before we jump to all kinds of conclusions, we talked a little bit about this with husbands and wives. Before we would read something like children obey your parents and everything and say, oh, wait a minute. What if there's <clears throat> sin? I mean, what if they're calling us to do things that are dangerous or whatever? And of course, there are examples of that and we ought to be really careful of that. But I would remind you that Paul is writing this to the church of God. 
People whose lives have been transformed by the gospel. And that puts boundaries on what goes on. At least it ought to, right? I mean, of course there's exceptions. But before we jump to conclusions and we start getting all of these crazy ideas about, well, we, you know, we, we can't obey in everything because, I, I know, and Paul knows that. But his point is that a transformed heart in the Lord will produce an obedience that honors God and honors your parents. When Christian parents are in the Lord, there are built-in restraints and boundaries to their authority. We're going to look at that more next week when we look at fathers. Giving you a whole week, fathers, because we need it. So if, if, if all of this is true, do you see the implication for both children and parents? If, if the gospel of Christ, which is revealed to us in his word, if that is what is to shape our parenting as parents, but also our childhoodness as kids, then what, what should we be doing? What should we be spending our time on? If the information we need is here, what should we do with this? <laughs> Read it. Know it. God doesn't call us to things he won't equip us for, but you do not know that unless you are in his word. So to be in the Lord, for parents to be in the Lord and for children to be in the Lord means that you know what God is ex expecting of you. You know what God requires of you. And you know that by spending time in his word. Kids, if you want to have a good relationship with your parents, if you're sick of... of arguing and, and fighting and whatever else, then read the scriptures and find out what it tells you to do and do it. It's not that it's always easy or fun or enjoyable. But the reward is that God will show favor. He will help and give you the strength to be obedient to him. Did you know that in honoring your parents, kids, you are honoring God? Did you know that by being obedient to your parents, you are being obedient to God? Because he has set your parents as the training, authoritative, caring figure in your life. And they are representative of God to you. So if you are unwilling to obey them, you will be unwilling to obey God. If you are willing to obey your parents, it will be a very short step to obedience to God. It's one of the reasons I think Paul is emphasizing this in Ephesians. Now, listen really carefully, especially young people, but, but everyone. If you find it very difficult to obey your parents, if you find it a constant struggle, it might be just because you're stubborn and selfish and obstinate, perhaps, but let me suggest another reason. Perhaps the reason that you find obedience so difficult is because you are trying to obey in your own strength. When Paul says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, the assumption is that the Spirit of God is at work in the heart of both the parent and the child to produce this kind of obedience. Without the Spirit of God, obedience is impossible. What you need is not a different program. You don't need different rules. You do not need different parents. Maybe what you need is a different heart. 
Remember what I said before, that doing the right thing is not the same as being a Christian. You can clean up your act. You can, you know, be obedient to a certain degree. But maybe the reason, kids, that you find it so difficult is because you have not surrendered your life to Jesus. Jesus said in in John 15, when he's talking about the, the vine and the branch and our connectedness to him, he says, apart from me, you can do nothing. So if you hear this and you're thinking, man alive, it's so hard. I just, I just don't want to. I, just, I have no desire to be obedient or to honor my parents. Maybe the problem isn't your parents. <laughs> Maybe the problem is that you need to surrender your heart to Jesus and ask him through his spirit to empower you to be obedient. You can do that. That's the only way that you will truly be obedient to your parents. And that is Paul's desire, that is Jesus' desire, and that is my desire for you. I don't want a church full of little moral people that don't know God. That does nobody any good. What we need is a church of people who have surrendered their life to Jesus Christ, handed over control and said, I need your help. And kids, maybe you've never done that. Maybe you've just always done what your parents have told you to do, and that's great. You ought to do that. But God can help, and he can empower you by his spirit to live a life of obedience that not only honors your parents, but honors God. And you can do that right now, right here this morning. I'm going to pray in just a couple moments before we come to the table, and I just encourage you Young people, examine your heart. If you can hear me and you understand what I'm saying, you are not too young for this. There are so many examples in the scriptures of children being both used by God and, and coming to God. So I encourage you to think about this. And you don't, don't do anything right now, but talk to your folks. Talk to your parents. Ask them about this. And I'm sure they would be happy to pray with you and to answer questions for you. So, There is a moral argument, right? It is the right thing to do to obey your parents. There is an argument from law that God commands, honor your father and mother, but above all of those comes the gospel of Jesus Christ. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. And the wonderful promise is that God will send his spirit and enable you to follow through with this. That's good news for us. Let's pray as we come to the table this morning. Father, Thank you for your word and thank you for the truth of the gospel. Thank you that you invite everyone to come to you through Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sin, for the cleansing of our heart, and for the power to walk in obedience to you. And Father, I pray for everyone here, all of us, myself included, that we would try to understand what it means to be obedient to your word in in this area and in every area that you have called us to. And I pray, Lord, that through your spirit and and through the word that is preached and sung and spoken and prayed, that the children in our body would be strengthened, that they would know the great love that you have for them, that they would turn from their sin and confess you as Lord and Savior of their life. Do this work by your spirit, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.